The Long Box Crusade presents... Action Film Face-Off. This episode, it's 1998 versus the year 2000. Two films enter. One film leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Action Film Face Off. This is a show where two random years are selected and usually my brother brings an action film from one of the random years and usually I bring an action film from the other random year. We got a bit of a special episode. We'll get into that. But our two films are still going to do battle. We're going to use our usual variety of criteria and a champion's going to be crowned by the end of the episode. I am Jared Albrecht, the Death Probe. My co-host is my brother Jason the weasel skull we are both military combat vets who take our action very seriously but not too seriously so let's just have some fun and as i teased a moment ago we have a special episode it is our martial arts episode we are recording this in march we started this last year where we are going to have two martial arts films this episode and if you're in tune with the show and you know how this went last year you already know who picked these movies for us, but we'll introduce him in just a second. We'll let Jason do his thing and then we'll introduce our not so secret sniper. Okay. And I know that's what everybody really wants to get to is figure out who the sniper is for today. The business first, we're going to talk about how we're going to score each of today's films on a scale of one to 10 in the five categories. So if this is your first time listening, here are the categories, story, overall spectacle, best action scene, the hero and the villain. And if you listen carefully, it won't be in that order, but we want to keep you on the edge of your seat and make sure you're paying attention. At the end of it, we're going to have a deduction round where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. That's it. Back to you, Jared. All right. Thank you, Jason. Let's get to our sniper. Like I said, he was here last year. He started a trend. We enjoy it. We love having him on the show. Welcome back to Action Film Face-Off from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. It is Siskoid. Welcome back, Siskoid. Thanks for having me. Man, we love it. Siskoid is, uh, well, I don't know if he's ever been a self-proclaimed martial arts film mastermind, but I dubbed him that. <laughs> Out of all my friends, he's the one I, that knows the most about martial arts film. So when March rolls around, you can bet your bottom dollar, as long as the three of us are still on this planet, we're going to have the martial arts episode. And that, Siskoid picks them. That's what makes this one a little different. Jason doesn't pick them. I don't pick them. We we literally messaged Siskoid. These are the years that the randomizer came up with, and he picked the films. How are you feeling about these two, Siskoid? Well, the years were very difficult because mm. I don't know if you know, but roughly between 95 and 2005, there's a real dip in Hong Kong cinema. The handover was going to happen in uh, 97. Good point. So Hong Kong was going to revert to China. Nobody knew what was going to happen exactly. Were films going to be censored? Uh, was uh, was just going to turn communist and then no outside money could come in or it would disrupt those deals? So there was a lot of, you know, people lost faith in the market. The Asian markets went way down. 
They had a hard time recovering. 2003 was like SARS, which hit them really bad as well. So that didn't help their industry. And the American market, maybe they've smelled blood in the water, but they started pushing American action blockbusters into China a lot more. So it was hard to compete as well in that market because there was so much money behind the American films. So this is a period where if the end of the 60s, 70s is like the Shaw Brothers golden age era of martial arts, and then in the 80s, Shaw Brothers starts doing television mostly, and a lot of new companies are formed, and there's a lot of excitement around. It was called a boom in the uh, 80s and early 90s. But then, you know, mid to late 90s, it's all going to crash. This is when the um, martial arts stars started doing stuff. You know, Jackie Chan started doing English language movies that we benefited from. But, uh, you Absolutely. know, the, we get stuff like... Rush out. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, among them. But I, to me, my first one was Rumble in the Bronx, you know. That was good, too. So we started, you know, Chow Yun-Fat in uh, Romeo Must Die. And, you know, we started getting this, this kind of stuff from Jet Li, etc. Sometimes they were successful. Sometimes they weren't so successful. But it was about leaving Hong Kong to do things because it was hard to make films in Hong Kong. So the two years that we chose, like 2000, I could have picked Crouching Tiger pretty easily, but that was made on the mainland, like a big production on the mainland. So that's a Chinese production. So it's not Hong Kong. I'm not saying I couldn't have picked it, but uh, I also felt it was unfair to the other film. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit grander. Yeah, but it, it shows how, you know, the, uh, the the industry was sort of, well, not not changing, but it would have to change. And when it did change, I mean, the movies that we know from 2005 and beyond, there's a lot of let's call them, you know, cop dramas with martial arts in them. There was like a noir feeling. They were trying to do American style movies with the martial arts, with the Asian inspiration in it. But we really left a lot of the historical martial arts behind. So it was hard to pick. I didn't have a, a whole lot of choices is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I Though I'm happy. Really well. I think you yeah, well. I'm happy with the ones that I picked and mm -hmm. they have some things in you know, in common, but they're also very different, which was kind of my own criterion for making the choice. So you want me to, to say what they are or do you want to? Oh, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll folks, this is why Siskoid's the only choice. To exactly. like, remember earlier when I called him a martial arts mastermind? This is why. Yeah, uh, yeah I have three pages of notes from that. Right there. <laughs> I'm ready for this test at the end of the semester. <laughs> He's all like geopolitically, and I was like, when, when him and Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan got together, it was good. That's right. <laughs> That's the depth of my knowledge. Well, Cisco not only brought the film, but he's also going to be, as we mentioned today, Sniper, which means he gets one point per category. Pressure give, point. Pressure point. That's <laughs> pressure right. Point. That's right. One pressure point per category to give. He's very. He's going to be very, very binary on this one because he's got one point to give. So at the end of each category, he's going to basically say, I like film A better or film B better in this category. He's been on the show before, so we don't need to harangue him for favorite action films. We can just kind of uh, get into it. But before our two films enter the video, Dome Arena, spikes? No spikes? I always have spikes. The okay, spikes Jason, put the spikes ready. on. Good. I've, got, I've got spikes in the arena, and I've got bears in the cage. I'm nice. ready to go. All right. We're thrilled to kick this episode off with special shout outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade, getting early access to special long box video episodes, special episodes, voting on show content, so much more. 
These are the folks who are reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Auburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robinson. Captain Entropy. Dave Collins, the Battle Wagon. Battle Wagon. Gary V for victory. Gerald Green. Jason Keane. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Kathy Bright. She's captivating and she's our MVP. Mm-hmm. Mark Ross. Monstrous Mark Athlete. Maxwell Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ross Michaud. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey67. Steve Cronin the Barbarian. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. Toronto Cop. If we miss anyone on our list, we apologize. We record these episodes well in advance of release. So if your recent edition will get to you, but no worries. If we mess it up, just give us an email. Contact longboxcrusade.com. We'll get it fixed. If you want to become a Crusaders Club member, like all those wonderful people you just heard, just head to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as $1 a month, you can get access. And as Pat would say, all the access to the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. He says a little creepier, though. You know, it's like all the access. You know what I'm saying? All right. With that bit of business out of the way, let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film Gladiators about to battle for your pleasure. We've hinted all around it. This episode, I was assigned the year of 1998 by the randomizer, and then I was assigned my film by Siskoid, and it is Who Am I? Jason, what did the randomizer slash Siskoid select for you? Well, the randomizer, codenamed Siskoid, gave me 2000 and put into my video dome arena, Time and Tide. Mm, so we have a fine matchup, folks. It's important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason versus Siskoid. We just selected an assigned year. We got some random films. We're just going to have a good talk and find out which one is going to be this episode's champion. All right. Quick around the room on where we saw it. Who am I? I've had on DVD since the moment I discovered who am I? Cause I adore it. I had not heard of time and tide. And I think I ended up doing that one on Amazon prime. Jason, how did you watch this? Exactly the same way I've had, who am I? Uh, I think longer than I've had my youngest son. <laughs> so <laughs> whip that sucker out of the DVD case and watch that time and tide. Like you, I watched it on Amazon prime. Siskoid. Uh, well, I think Time and Tide was on Netflix here. That was probably where I, I don't know if I watched it there. Or just, I, I had the DVD out, so I watched both of them on DVD. <laughs> uh, I think Time and Tide is like one of the very early DVDs that I got from, uh, let's call it the Hong Kong collection. Uh, <laughs> even before I became a, uh, what do you call it, a mastermind. mastermind it was, yeah. yeah, it was just like a <laughs> kind of impulse buy. I got you. I got you. Yeah, when we originally started talking, Cisco was like, hey, you can watch Time and Time on Netflix. And I was like, it's not on Netflix. And I was like, ah, Canada. I realized it was probably Canadian yeah. Netflix. And uh, not us Americans got denied. So Yeah, I need to get that Canadian Netflix, man. They got some good <laughs> stuff on there. <laughs> what is it? You can get one of those VPNs. They're always talking about you get a mm-hmm. VPN and change your location. So you can, anyways, we don't have a sponsorship, folks. So we're not going to tell you who those people are. <laughs> <laughs> 
Unless All they right. start paying us. And then That's we'll right. They start paying us. We'll tell you how to do that. Well, let me just remind you guys, uh, it's time for the spoiler warning. We are going to spoil the heck out of these films. So if you have not seen 1998's Who Am I or 2000's Time and Tide, here's your chance. And we will see you guys on the other side of this musical break. All right, folks, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed those. I know I did. So let's jump in with some quick info on 1998's Who Am I? It was discovered one mile below the hottest sands in Africa, a revolutionary new energy source, and it's just been stolen. Can you imagine an ordinary machine gun with the destructive force of a ballistic missile? got only one chance to get it back and only one man who can handle the mission there's only one problem i've lost all my memory one of them is still alive he's lost his memory what harm can he do us i want every one of them liquidated Everybody wants to know who you are. So do I. Now, the only way he can do any good is if he remembers just how bad he can be. You want to know who I am? I want to know who I am. Someone's after me. You don't know who to trust. Who are you? Someone bring my memory back. Don't trust anyone. I need to find out what he knows. You know about my past? Who are you working for? I'm on your side! Nobody's on my side! What do you want? I want my life back! Jackie Chan, star of the box office smash Rush Hour. You'll never know who you are. This film starred a lesser known kind of up and coming person named Jackie Chan. I, I think he might make it. He might, he might be somebody. He might someday. be somebody. And it was directed by Benny Chan. And your synopsis goes a little something like this. Jackie is part of an elite military operation team that's sent to something, something scientists, something, something new, high energy mineral in Africa. Anyway, his team is betrayed. And only Jackie survives the helicopter crash, but he has no memory of who he is or even how he has these amazing physical abilities. But he uses those abilities to evade everyone who's trying to kill him and figure out who he really is. Oh, and also get revenge on the people who betrayed him. Here is your trivia. Michelle Farah never considered acting, but on the set of the movie, when she tried to interview Jackie Chan, he was struck by her and asked her to audition for the movie, which she did, and she landed the co-starring role. Here's your next one. Jackie Chan performs the song played during the end credits. Those of you who are big Jackie Chan fans, like I suspect Siskoid might be, know he comes from the Chinese opera, and he's actually got kind of a set of pipes on him, and so he does sing some of the final credits song. And finally... Who Am I won the Best Action Film Choreography Award at the 1999 Hong Kong Film Awards. And uh, it damn well better have, because it's got awesome fight choreography. Mm. We're going to talk about that. (laughs) All right, Jason, what do you got? Well, I will give you all the rundown on 2000's Time and Tide. 
If you're after quick bread, Mr. K's your man. He used to be a loan shark. So he started up an unlicensed bodyguard operation and staffed it with guys who owed him. Losers, one and all. I can take care of myself. Stop bothering me, will you? Is that way to one of your crowd? Something's up. Where? The dwarf. Go in the business together? Meaning? Bodyguard company. Pablo Santoso from South America since he's setting up some deal to our Mr. Hong. We were protecting Hong before, now we're working for the other side. Where's the money? Welcome to Cockroach City. The cast and crew included Nicholas Say as Tyler. Wu Bai as Jack, and Candy Lowe as Ah Hui. It was directed by Choi Hark. Synopsis goes a little something like this. Tyler works as a bartender and makes a lot of bad decisions. When he knocks up a lady cop after a night of hard drinking, he tries to do the honorable thing and joins a local bodyguard service, as one does, to make some extra cash for his unborn child. Unfortunately, he kind of sucks at it. Even worse, when he befriends Joe, whom he thinks is a butcher, He finds himself in deep, as Joe turns out to be a former elite mercenary running from his past. Unfortunately for Joe, his past isn't through with him, and Tyler is caught in the mayhem. At least I think that's what happened. It was very confusing. (laughs) That's what I got out of it, Jason. I'll back you up on that. You you know, I watched it with my son, and we were like staring at each other like, Is this? Was that the guy? (laughs) Well, let me, this. let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Did you watch it for like with it with an American dub or something? No, I think we watched it subtitled. Subtitled, and yeah, because there is an there's an American dub that is complete nonsense. Oh, okay. I'm glad okay. we didn't watch that. Yeah, the character you called Joe for me was called Jack. So I, I don't. <laughs> I think they called him Joe. I'm pretty sure. They, they I, don't I mean, <laughs> it was a J sound. Uh, I don't yeah. remember. All I just remember is like like Jason said they. They spoke Spanish. They spoke English at points. Yep. They spoke, what Asian language were they speaking? One character was Cantonese and the other character was Mandarin. Of so course. They're both be two different, two different mm-hmm. languages yeah. as well. Yeah. At one point, Nicholas Che is speaking in pidgin Mandarin, but he's a better Mandarin speaker than that. So he's actually, <laughs> so his character isn't so good at Mandarin. So when they're communicating, those two characters would become friends. He's playing down his language anyway a lot of um, layers yeah i wouldn't know uh, unless i would read some notes on it you know I, I, <laughs> i'm pretty the sure that's what happened though if i got it wrong correct me now siskoid i think that i hit the highlights right. sounded right to me yeah I, I understand that the plot is a little i don't think it is confusing it's just this was a movie that was three hours long and then they chopped it down because that made no sense and a lot of the the first parts of it 
there are missing elements now. You know, like a lot of the bodyguard stuff is gone. So sometimes it goes a little bit too fast or in montage. Mm, but yeah. once mm. we hit, you know, with the moment where they attack the apartment, <laughs> after <laughs> that, it's it's all pretty reasonable, I understandable. Concur. I concur. Yeah. It's time for my trivia. Here it is. Time and Tide ranked number four for the top 10 best films by French critics. The director asked Wu Bai to make up lyrics for the happy birthday song a half hour before filming. So that whole scene where he's singing the happy birthday song, that was all made up spontaneous. And then finally, if you look carefully, Taylor has a train spotting poster in his apartment, which I thought was pretty cool. You're spotting the train spotting I spotted the train spotting. Yes. <laughs> right. Well, I know that, that Nicholas Che and Wubai collaborated on a song that is played as soundtrack at some point. Most of the people in this movie have music careers or are principally singers. Huh. So it's what I was talking about earlier about, you know, there's like a migration out of Hong Kong. So now they're making, okay, this movie was made in Hong Kong. So they got, you know, let, let's make sure there's Spanish speakers. Let's get some Filipino actors. Let's put these musicians into acting roles because the real actors are gone. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and with the Jackie Chan movie, let's go abroad. Let's do things in other countries. Mm -hmm. So there's the same feeling that maybe Hong Kong is struggling. Interesting. That's fascinating. Yeah. And now that we have the basics for today's contestants. Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Fight. It's a street All right, let's get to it. Just a couple reminders that uh, you can play Match Game, the game within the game. We have two films, five categories. Jason has not seen my scores. I have not seen his scores. Take a guess now at how many out of 10 possible matches we're going to have for the match game. And speaking of scores, just as a reminder here on our show, five is average. Five is middle of the road. Five is something you'd see on a decent made-for-TV movie. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You got yourself a fine film. Four, three, two, one. You got some things to work on. And with that, let's get into round one. <laughs> round one is a story. How engaging and or original is the story. We will let our guest go first. Cisco, talk to me about the story of 1998's Who Am I? And your thoughts. Well, it's a little silly. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a comedy. It, it feels like uh, Jackie Chan went to South Africa and to the Netherlands. Yeah. Sort of spotted locations where you wanted to do some action, and then they just put it in the movie. I mean, this is directed <laughs> by Benny Chan, who's is one of Jackie's hired guns. Basically, Jackie is co-directing this stuff. Mm. So it really is his project. I think it's a little fluffy. It makes sense for a Jackie Chan vehicle. I do wish that there was more action front-loaded. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, I think the Hong Kong version, actually, it begins with him being found and not having any memory. And all the stuff, the betrayal of the team, the mercenary team, that's all like he has flashes and then we see parts of it as we go the version that we probably watched, that's all in, at the front mm -hmm. so that we jump into some sort of action. Uh, they, they teased it more in the Hong Kong version. I agree. Jason, uh, anything to add? Your thoughts on the story of Who Am I? No, I agree with Siskoid. I mean, the plot here, the script is really just enough glue to hold the action sequences together, which is, at the end of the day, really all I need from a Jackie Chan movie. So, you know, it's not a complaint, but, you know, there's not a whole lot 
of innovation as far as storytelling is concerned. It's all about spectacle. Yeah. The MacGuffin. Let's run after that MacGuffin, like a <laughs> space rock that powers stuff. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it is. To me, like watching this with friends, this is like a perfect drinking game. Every time you should, who am I? And then <laughs> after that movie's over, you're going to scream, who am I? For weeks. <laughs> yeah. so that's, point. that's why you want to watch this. He, he says it so often that they that's literally what they call him. Like his name becomes... Who am I? Who am I? They, that, that's how they refer to him. Yeah, the African tribe who finds him, I, that's all he can say. So, Who am I? Right. Well, yes, I concur with uh, the both of you, which will allow me to move right over to 2000's Time and Tide. Uh, a bit more layered of a story going on there. Siskoid, your thoughts? Well, yes, the reputation is that it is a confusing story. I mentioned that earlier. But I think it is a literate story. There's some voiceover. There's some talk of the book of Genesis, and and then eventually it's all about second chances and hope. So when you watch it several times, and prior to this, I watched it like a couple times, just because I do enjoy it for the visuals, mostly. It's a very visual film, uh, and you can excuse a lot with visuals, just like you can excuse a lot with stunts and fights. You know, (laughs) both these films have excuses going for them. But I do, I, I think there's like too much packed into it, of course. Especially once it starts, you know, riding that rail and there's no stopping it. I like the mirror of the two pregnant women. I like the he impregnated a a woman who identifies as a lesbian while she was drunk or whatever. And at the end, they they don't play it like it's going to be a romance. It's just like she realizes that he could be in her life and be a father to this child. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and so they play with that. So I think it's it's kind of sensitive as well. And then you got some like these nutty villains that come over from Brazil calling everybody cockroaches. And <laughs> I think there's a lot of wacky stuff in there. You know, they're at an action scene while a woman is, is giving birth and and she's part of the action. So I think the plot has a lot, a lot of innovation and a lot of crazy stuff because Choi Hark is known as an innovator. He's one of the most important producers and directors in Hong Kong. He produced most of um, John Woo's early films so he and he apparently was really messing with them john Woo was like stop it um so (laughs) he sort of helped originate the heroic bloodshed films he did once upon a time in china which spawned a bunch of similar boxing rebellion era movies zoo warriors like playing a lot with cg when nobody else was doing it in china the detective d films recently like chinese ghost story every time he does a film it spawns a bunch of copycats and a sort of a subgenre. In this case, he's sort of prefiguring the the sort of Hong Kong noir that we're going to get throughout the 2000s. So I think there's something there. So he spawns a lot of knockoffs, if you will. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, he inspires knockoffs. <laughs> Speaking but of knockoffs. But he did knockoff. He did knockoff. <laughs> yeah. His, his two greatest films, you know, for the American market, knockoff and double team. Again, <laughs> I, again, <laughs> again, watch this with friends. Yes. The best way to watch these films is with friends. Absolutely. They are what I call gloriously stupid movies. Like, you, you, Love can't, them not, you can't not watch them. Like, you just sit there and watch them like, this is glorious. <laughs> oh, well, that was what good. Hey, Jason, follow that up. <laughs> I like guns and big boobies. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> God help me. I was trying to follow what was going on. I was like, are these guys bad guys, good guys? So this guy runs a bodyguard company, and apparently 
this guy can just stop being a bartender and go be a bodyguard. <laughs> it's just like, okay. And they all suck at it because this guy that they think is a, I don't know, pig farmer or a butcher or something is actually a super assassin who's really super assassinating his bodyguard. He's got his trace buster buster and he busts that trace. And I'm just, at some point I just had to kind of throw my hands up and go, all right, you know, we're in the rapids. Just put your feet first and yeah, go for the ride. <laughs> My part, the only thing I'll chime in with is, is like the very first time we cut to South America, which I think, oh, this is where we're headed. Mm-hmm. That's nah. what I thought too. We cut to South America and there's just like a glorious action scene. And I actually looked over to my wife and son, we were watching together and I said, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. No clue what it has to do with the rest of this movie, but it was awesome. And they have a lot of grenades. I they learned have a that. ton of grenades. You know, they and had it did, grenades to work. They had grenades for days. I eventually <laughs> figured out how it connected. But yeah, it is quite the ride, if you will. And like Cisco was saying, I mean, it is a really chopped down movie. So I'm certain the uh, three-hour version probably made more sense, but it probably might not have been as uh, slam bang as we might think. But hey, you know what? Let's score them. So, Jason, let's go back to Who Am I 1998 story. Like we said, you know, it's kind of what you need for a Jackie Chan movie. On a scale of 1 to 10, you gave it a? I gave it a 6. I think you could find that plot in in your basic made-for-television movie, as our standards indicate. But you throw Jackie Chan in there, you bump it up one. So, 6 for me. Match game, I also gave it a 6. Time and Tide, 1 through 10, Jason. I know it's probably going to be unfair. Cisco is probably going to yell at me, but I gave it a six as well because I, I just, I couldn't follow it. It's probably an unfair six. It's probably a Jason stupid six, but at the end of the day, that's where I landed. Well, let's call it an all brick brothers or stupid six. Cause match game. I also, gave, <laughs> I also gave it a six, but again, like you said, it's not a bad six at all. It's kind of weird that I feel like who am I is the bare bones story, the string you need. And then time and time is almost overstuffed. Like it's like outsmarting itself at some point. That's a good way of putting it. It seemed like it was outsmarting itself. So I also gave it a six. So, wow, we are locked up already at the end of round one with double match games. Cisco, and I look to you as the sniper. When it comes to story, I have a suspicion which one you're going to give your pressure point to, but go ahead and reveal it. Yeah, I think I was pretty uh, obvious in my comments prefiguring this. So, yeah, I'm giving it to Time and Tide. I do think, because I've watched it several times, so then you can sort of get more into the story and things connect mm-hmm. more. This is a very Chinese thing, by the way. Like, we're following one guy. Would you think that's the protagonist? And then suddenly we're following this other guy, the ninja butcher. Uh, you know, we're following <laughs> yeah. this other guy. And then eventually they connect. But we're telling two stories, and we're like, what's going on? A lot of Chinese films do this. So if for a Chinese audience, this is not hard to follow. For us, it's a little off-putting, but I think now I'm, uh, in terms of cinema, I'm Chinese by adoption, you know, in that that sense. (laughs) No, I think if probably if I had had the background that you did and the width and breadth of your experience as far as Hong Kong cinema, I probably would have rated it a little bit higher. So, you know, take my six with a grain of salt. I'm I'm not, I'm not bothered. (laughs) (laughs) That's the end of round one. That makes it my turn for round two. And in round two, we're going to talk about the hero and his menagerie. So we'll go ahead and let the guest go first again. And Siskoid, give us your thoughts on Jackie Chan and his group of heroes in Who Am I? Jackie plays Jackie. Uh, He's even called Jackie at one point. (laughs) He's even called Jackie Chan. He's specifically called Jackie Chan. But he thinks he's called Who Am I, or at least that's the only name he can 
call. I, I like this. I, I, I think Jackie doing Jackie is where what we want Jackie to do. He's not as edgy in so, as some maybe in some other films, like the, some police stories, a little more edgy, maybe. But it's it's Jackie. And also, it's not just about you know being good at fights and incredible stunts. He's also kind of a MacGyver in this, you know, like when he fixes the mm-hmm. car. And, and mm-hmm. so the, when he un- unfurls off a building, you know, he's like he's looking for things. And we're used to this where he's just looking for things to use in a fight. He's an improvisational fighter or that's what it looks like. But here he's also improvising with to do other things. So I thought that was a nice bit for him. And then, well, he's got a cast around him, but they all pale in comparison to the man, Jackie Chan. Yeah, I can't say that I disagree with that statement, but uh, it's not my turn. Jared, what are your thoughts on Jackie? Well, I mean, first of all, it's Jackie Maurice Feldman Chan. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's Jackie M.F. and Chan at the peak of his powers, in my opinion. I would say the mid nineties is just, he gets very accepted into American cinema. He's charming as all get out. I mean, you can't watch any movie with Jackie Chan and not love him. Even when he's like a bit hardcore, I saw the foreigner and he's awesome in it. But even then you're like, I love this guy. (laughs) He just has that charm. He's the Roger Moore of Asian cinema. He's got a charm for effing days Mm -hmm. and he's so good in this. And I'm glad Cisco pointed out, too, it's not just combat. It's escapes. And it's uh, saving that guy who was dehydrated by, you know, making a needle and running coconut water. And it really just this movie just showcases everything that he is. And oh, by the way, even though he is MacGyver in it, when it comes to the combat scenes, there's some of the best I've ever seen him do are in this film. And oh, by the way. When it comes to stunt driving scenes, this is some of the best I've ever seen in this film. Like this film just doesn't quit. It just goes and goes. And Jackie is is just so good. And I, I probably just blew everything I would say in the spectacle round. But Jackie's at the center of this. And when it comes to his cohorts, he's usually running around with two ladies. And uh, one of them is, is actually the, the driver. You know, that's her role to be the driver. And she was super cool. And then the other one was the gal he just found on set that I mentioned in the... <laughs> <laughs> the trivia and she's just very charming too but like Cisco said it's all it's all Jackie you just so focused on him so yeah look for a good score from me all right sounds like we got a lot of love for Jackie let's uh talk about Jack or Joe or whoever the heck he was <laughs> <laughs> in time and tide in Brazil they called him Juan and, <laughs> that's right and he's a Jack Chow according to the credits here so Okay, uh, maybe I maybe I conflated Jack and Chow and went. Chow, I mean, Joe, Joe, Chow, <laughs> Joe. I don't know. Yeah, just go and talk about him. And Nicholas Chet is playing Tyler, so he's the first one we meet. He's the bartender. Nicholas Chet is a pretty boy, you know. Is, is like one of these Chinese or Japanese pretty boys. The haircuts, the very stylish. He was also a pop star. And after this movie, I think this was his last action movie for a while because he wanted to concentrate on his music career. So he's definitely that. In his case, you say he sucks as a bodyguard. You're not wrong, but it leads to a lot of, you know, like the fights seem more visceral, more raw, less practice. So there's some interesting stuff there. And we're following his arc, trying to do the right thing by this woman. You know, he didn't mean anything by he, he wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a we almost play it. There there wasn't any consent. They were both drunk and whatever happened, happened. But 
in the uh, in the case of Wubai, who becomes his friend, Jack Chow, he's a more mysterious figure. He has all this baggage from Brazil. He's the one that's going to bring the villains over. They're, they want to either get him back or kill him. You know, it's like, come back or we kill you and everybody you know, basically. They're insane. But he's such he's so ninja. Like, he's the, 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 the actor I know less. Like, Nicholas Chet is on my wall. There, I've got a wall in my living room, which is just posters I made of different Hong Kong action stars, because I hate white walls. And uh, Nicholas Chet from this movie is actually on that wall. Hmm. Okay. Wubai isn't, like, a, uh, an actor that I gravitate to or know very well or has done anything much. But in this, he's in disguises. He's really ruthless. He's helping people over the phone. Whereas Nicholas Chet has to climb inside a, you know, a fridge to, to escape an explosion. And he's, he's kind of out of sorts about it. We've got two leads. And it takes two to do the thing that Jackie Chan did, you know, basically alone. <laughs> but I, I like both of them. It's just more of an ensemble cast kind of film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. It kind of worked because we see the action largely through the eyes of Tyler. And Tyler is so in over his head, like so in over his head. It makes it entertaining to watch. And uh, Wu Bai's character seems like he's just in control. He knows what he's doing. He's the best there is. And I, and it's like you understand why his former team wants him back because he's definitely the all-star. I agree with you, Jason. I think they make a good pair because you have the one guy who's super experienced, one guy who's in over his head, but he's his heart's in the right place, you know, and that's always fun to watch. Yeah. So, Jared, what score are you giving Jackie Chan for Who Am I? Oof, man. If Joe November was here, I'd probably have it at an 8.5, but I know I have to choose between an 8 and a 9 for Jackie in this. I am going to go with a solid 8 for this one. I really like him in this one. There are other movies where I would probably give Jackie a 9, but, man, I got to tell you, Who Am I is top-tier Chan for me, so I'm giving him an 8. He's getting all 10 from me. Flawless victory. I'm throwing all 10 in here. Jackie Chan got a special place in my heart. Both of my boys are kids of the 90s. We grew up on Who Am I? We grew up on Super Cop. We grew up on First Strike, Rumble in the Bronx, yada, yada, yada. And it's probably been 20 years since I've watched this movie. As soon as I pulled it out, I was like, oh, I remember. Like, it was ingrained, all these things that he did. 20 years later, I still loved it. So I'm giving it a 10. Wouldn't fight you one bit. Well, then that's going to move us over to Two Cool Guys. It's time to Tide. <laughs> <laughs> what are you giving uh, Tyler and Jack and crew in Time and Tide? I would give Tyler about a six and Jack about a six, but a combination of Tyler and Jack somehow gets a seven. I'm going to give the heroes a seven in this movie. Well, we've hit our next match game because I felt the same way, even though, you know, I didn't fully understand the story as we've kind of talked about the characters themselves were very compelling to me. And I thought both of them were well above average in their performances they were interesting to watch and they were really interesting to watch together. It was just so complex that Tyler, you know, doesn't know Jack's secret, but is friends with Jack. Jack really, I think is fond of Tyler, you know, but keeping the secret and it's just, it's interesting. It's just really compelling to watch. And the two, I just thought did a good job pulling it off. So Cisco, pressure point. 
I almost factored in the fact that Anthony Wong is in this as well. I'm not sure he's a goodie or a baddie. You know, he's plays uh, Tyler's boss, and uh, that's just a great actor. I, I love him and everything. But I showed my hand as well. Jackie Chan gets the pressure point in this one. Uh, I think it's a no-brainer. So the pressure point goes to Jackie Maurice Feldman Chan. Correct. <laughs> Jackie M. Effing Chan gets the pressure point. All right. Well, it's in the books, and I pass it back to you, Jared. All right, let's kick off round three. Ah! Round three is the villain. How cool is your villain? How memorable is your villain? How tough is your villain? Factor in all those things. Jason, I'll have you go first this round. 1998's Who Am I? Villainy. Does it really matter? (laughs) (laughs) It does matter. It does matter. And I'll tell you why. As I mentioned, my kids, before they were even in school, were watching Jackie Chan movies. And we had fun with it. And the villains make it fun because they are so cartoonishly villainous that it makes it almost like a Looney Tunes episode. You know, when the guy is stuck holding a stick of dynamite, you're laughing. There's an innocence about it that makes it entertaining, comical. And the villains are an important element to that. Like, you don't really necessarily remember their names, but I, again, going back to that, I remember 20 years ago that that big dude with the goofy glasses, but could like lift his leg, like straight up over his ear and hold his coat, like mm-hmm. pick up that coat and hold it with his, with his foot up over his head. I mean, just the physical presence of those guys made it a fun, entertaining watch. So yes, I think the villains do matter. And who am I? Just go ahead. Yeah, well, you're talking about Ron Smurenberg, who is... Sure, a, uh, yes, him. <laughs> well, I mean, it's normal that you don't remember his name because the character has no name. This is a movie that doesn't really, like... I think he's credited as Morgan's hitman because Agent Morgan is the real villain. Like, for me, the cartoonishness, I think it goes beyond that. This is a movie with very few actors. It's a lot of stuntmen, some martial arts professionals like Smurenberg, who was actually a local in the Netherlands. You know, like the girl, he like the the journalist that Jackie minted as a, you know, you'll be my co-lead. Okay. The acting is pretty rough (laughs) in some spots. Calling it cartoonish and it's part of the fun. Yes, I agree. But as far as, you know, characterization, there isn't much of it. Smorenberg would be the reason to snipe in this direction, to give points in this, because he is the smoothest I, I've never seen someone whose moves were this smooth. He looks like he's uh, a video game animation. Mm-hmm. You know, the way he sweeps the leg and it's a, every move is so crisp. So he's incredible. The guy that has to fight before him is equally good. It's just mm-hmm. not as showy. But then Agent Morgan, who really cares? You know, <laughs> <laughs> the, the top of this food chain is like, well, whatever. So it's all about that fight on the rooftop and the two guys there. Otherwise, they're just the goons. No, agreed. Yeah, and that's kind of why I let in with, like, does it really matter? I think when you do think back to Who Am I, like, I'm going to watch Who Am I, I think the first thing we all think of is rooftop fight scene. Like, that's yeah. <laughs> that's where the money yeah. is. And that guy with the Gumby legs, man, it's like, does he yeah. even have any bones in there? <laughs> How's he doing that? <laughs> you know, it's funny, maybe more appropriate spectacle, but upon my rewatch, one of my favorite things was what Cisco had mentioned earlier when he was trying to escape and he 
puts the like the rope or the hose around the bucket and then he wraps the rope around him and then twirls down like six stories inside the little I was like that is amazing <laughs> it's just amazing but at the end of the day I remember the rooftop guys so all right let's move to time and tide and talk about the bad guys there's no shortage of them to pick from Jason what do you got I thought the bad guys were above average as well in this even though I can't really remember any of their names their presence on the screen and certain images are are really burned into my brain after watching that movie. When we first see them and the one dude is holding the magnifying glass and trying to burn that bug alive, just out of boredom, like he's just bored. So he wants to torture something that is defenseless against him. That says everything you really need to know about that character. Um, We saw them in action, like you said, at the very beginning of the movie when they do that heist. You can just tell how brutal and merciless they are. The one guy's creepy AF. He's like that old neighbor, you know, from Family Guy. (laughs) Just (laughs) like, where my paper boy at? (laughs) You're about to piss me off. (laughs) Yeah. So, So they've got a really good collection of villains in there. And like I said, even though I don't really know their names, again, I don't really have to. I just need to be sold that they're a threat and that they're just disgustingly bad. And I get that in spades. Excellent. Siskoid, what do you got in the villainy of time and time? The Angels is the name of the gang. And Miguel is the main one who is, uh, I guess, a famous pop musician, (laughs) of course. Uh, (laughs) But uh, he's the one that speaks. He has some English lines in there. and doesn't just speak the Spanish or random Chinese, maybe. But he's the creepiest, and he's, the, he's sort of the, the leader, especially once that leader with the creepy voice gets offed. And then you got the old sniper. Like, the old man is the sniper. That's an interesting, quirky thing. There's the guy that doesn't feel any pain. He's in that fight with the pregnant woman later. There's one guy that shoots a kid. So, I mean, mm. in, in Chinese cinema, they go for it very often. I've seen mm. a lot of children killed in these kinds of movies because that's how they show these are bad guys, really bad guys. Mm. So, I mean, just like the skateboards going along alone. So this is a group that they don't all have names, but they are differentiated and they each have their task. And uh, then they can provide threats for any of the characters in there. So I thought, yeah, I agree with Jason that it's, this is a strong ensemble villain group, a little more differentiated than who am I? Fair enough. Let's double back and score him. Jason, the villainy of Who Am I in 1998, 1 to 10. Well, I have a feeling I'm going to be the, the high man on the totem pole here because I gave him an eight. And it all comes down to that rooftop scene. It is just so memorable. Again, it's violent, but in a fun, entertaining way that I could let my kids watch it. And I really appreciated that. It's just a nice blend of humor and action throughout the movie, but culminating in that rooftop scene. So eight for me. There's nothing wrong with having a a Homer score for something you really love. To me, I thought that most of the villains were cartoony, comical, throwaway. And then the ones that we really liked didn't even really have names. So I landed on a six. I thought it was better than what you'd see on an average uh, made for TV movie, but I can't walk away going, Oh, that Darth Vader, you know, that Hans Gruber, 
I just go, oh, those guys that got their asses kicked by Jackie Chan, <laughs> you know, basically. If Darth Vader would have picked up Obi-Wan's cloak and, like, held it up over his, his, leg. his leg. <laughs> that would have been. But no, we're, we're a little off, but that's all right. I know that you have a lot of love for this movie, so there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, so over on Time and Tide, uh, what'd you score the villainy there? You know, I actually scored it a little higher than the heroes. I thought the villains really sold the menace in this film. And even though I didn't fully understand the plot, again, I understood that these are some dangerous, genocidal mofos that are going to cause a bunch of trouble from the moment they were on screen to the very end of the movie. So I gave them an eight as well. We got good mood, Jason, on this episode. I gave him a six as well, <laughs> like I did on on Who Am I. I again, I liked him much like on Who Am I. It's not a negative six. It's like I like them, but again, I didn't walk away going that Hans Gruber, that Darth Vader. Like you, you have to like I have to remember your name to get an eight, nine, or a ten for me uh, when I walk away from it. And I liked them, and they were an excellent ensemble, and they really did help sell the movie, but. As far as memorable, I'm just at a six. So I kind of found the, found the villainy to be very similar between the two films. And, well, I mean, there's only one person who could break a tie like that. That's just good. I could have gone either way. But I will. I think I'm going to reserve the right rooftop scene as an action scene. It's, that's another category. So I'm reserving the right to snipe in that direction way up, <laughs> you know, for that. But still give the pressure point to the angels from time and tide but this is the one i left blank on my notes <laughs> it, it, i felt like it was a coin flip it's kind of interesting that you left it blank i scored who am i as villainy a six time and tide a six jason scored the villainy who am i eight time and tide an eight like we're all like even steven on the on these uh yeah <laughs> i think as we're talking through it i think i kind of bled over some spectacle into the villainy part of it but you know it is what it is. I'm I'm riding this plane into the ground. <laughs> it's tough with martial arts because the style is part of the character. Often it's the only thing we know about the character is their martial arts style. So one is kind of equivalent to the other. <laughs> Excellent point. Excellent point. And, well, that's the end of round three. But your style is no match for mine. Well, I guess that we've hinted at spectacle. Let's talk about it. Uh, we're going to go into round four and talk about spectacle. We're going to talk about overall action. We're going to talk about lighting, effects, music, everything that goes into the ingredients to bake this wonderful cake. And we'll start with Jared as far as the spectacle on Who Am I? Let's talk about it. Oh, dude. It's got spectacle for days. It is a spectacle film. Uh, again, we go from super clever Jackie Chan MacGyver stuff to super clever Jackie Chan escape stuff to super awesome offensive stuff to sliding down a huge building. It just, you don't take your eyes off of it. It's action choreography mixed with amazing stunt choreography, the amazing just flat out courage to just do crazy stuff that Jackie Chan has. And then I'm even going to give it a little bit of a shout out for its theme song. I mean, like you said, Jason, 20 years, I pick up that DVD. And the first thing that goes through my head is what? Like some theme songs stick with you. And like, it's almost like the little theme song to your favorite video game. You just know it. The second you look at it, you know, you, you hear the legend of Zelda theme, the second you pick it up and, 
so I got to give a shout out to that. I thought that was super fun. So music, stunts, action, high scores are coming. All right, Siskoid, discuss. Well, the negative points are the terrible CG. You know, That's they true. can't. Yeah, this is really awful. <laughs> and there's not a lot of it, but what is the there? Bane of the good. 90s, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Totally. Especially in China. Or, I mean, it's still a Chinese made film, even though they went elsewhere. China's still today is way behind in terms of CG. And it hurts me, the English dub. It was Jackie's second English language film written in English. Not all characters are speaking English, but they're, they've been dubbed in English. And I think it hurts their performances. You know, follow uh, follow up question for you, Cisco, okay. just to make sure we saw the same version. One thing I liked about it is Jackie dubs himself, and I always yeah. liked that. Did you yeah. have that too? Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Uh, just checking. Just checking. Yeah, because it no, it's terrible when he's dubbed. Uh, you know, it's like, oh no, mm-hmm. isn't there a rumble in the Bronx where that's not his voice? I think so. so. Yeah, uh, no, he's doing his own voice, and I think it's the first time he did it. But other characters, they don't all have that same facility with the English language. And that includes the people in the Netherlands, you know. So even the white actors are not speaking English and they've all been dubbed. And sometimes they're speaking English, you can tell, but they've been dubbed anyway by someone else. Very distracting. Those are the negatives. The positives, I think they get a lot, a lot of production value from the locations. Africa. Great look. Doesn't look like anything else in the film or in usual Hong Kong cinema. And then the Netherlands, they they obviously scouted every location in uh, Rotterdam or whatever. So that building, but all the other places that they go to and the cars that they use and, okay, let's do some clog fighting. Everything is like, okay, how can we maximize our use of this location to create gags that we have never seen before and never seen since? So. I think that's where they get the real, in addition to all the, obviously, the good performances in terms of martial arts and stunts. That neighborhood in the Netherlands where the houses are all, yeah. like, the architecture's all a kilter. Like, good point, Cisco. This is not even my round to host, I don't think, but that is an excellent point <laughs> on uh, really good use of locations. I'm going to shut up to Jason Trout. No, you hit what I was going to say. I, I'm glad Cisco brought up the locations because I thought, to Cisco's point, they did make really good use of both of them. And they were two very different locations, too. So it gave it almost like, okay, here's a fresh feel for the second half of the movie, which I felt was pretty smart and played well. Very James Bondian to give you. Yeah, the, you know. that is a good point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give you another, just give you a whole nother setting. Clear the palette. All right. Time and Tide. We're going to talk about spectacle. Jared will bring it back to you. What did you think about the spectacle of Time and Tide? One of the similarities between the two films is I felt like both of them sort of ramped up to spectacle, which, I mean, good action movies do that. So, you know, at the, at the beginning of Time and Tide, I was like, for the first, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes or so, I was like, did he pick a drama film? I did, too. Did I was pick like, a drama film? The only fight scene I've seen is him beating up that hand dryer in the like, Come on. Come on, Siskoid. And then... We got to the apartment building. <laughs> I was just like, what? There was so much going on. And Joe the Butcher was no, doing so much Joe the Butcher stuff. I was having a hard time keeping up. And then I had a great finale at the end. So, yeah, it's it's definitely very, 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 very different flavors of action. You know, Jackie Chan is much more of a kung fu flick. Time and Tide is much more of a gunplay combat kind of flick and uh, man it, it was very engaging it was you know no phone up looking at twitter 
I don't have a great memory for the score, which is weird because you know, there's a lot of musical people involved. It may have been good, but I just don't have a great memory of it. So I can't give it huge marks there, but I can say from as far as a cinematography point of view, it was very engaging. The action scenes were very rapid fire. And I'm going to steal probably what Cisco was going to say since he said it in the last round. I did notice a little bit of cagey CGI in it, but again, it's 2000. Eh, you kind of get used to that <laughs> this era. But overall, spectacle, yeah, it, it really ramped up to it well. Siskoid, what do you have in response? Well, that CG is better hidden because there's so much style. So you can say, oh, that weird explosion, yep. like the freeze frame explosions. Mm-hmm. And you say, well, that's obviously CG. Or, or I think the really bad CG is when the apartment has blown up and, yeah, smoke on it. But then, you know, there's also stuff that you can just say, well, it's style, even though it kind of looks like obvious CG. Like when suddenly we go inside a gun and we see it doesn't have a bullet. Oh, we go inside a gun and then we see the bullet fly up. Obvious CG. But, you know, that's the moment that you're not expecting. Mm-hmm, uh, and it doesn't use a lot of CG where today's films would. I mean, that apartment fight, like the guy jumps out the window, camera follows the guy out the window. Like, how are they <laughs> even doing this? Like today we have like these tiny cameras or they would cut it and then, you know, a computer would make the bridge the gap. Not here. This is for real. And a lot of these guys, I call them musicians, but they're doing their own stunts, you know? So, so there's, mm-hmm. you, you see their faces. So this is a very, very stylish film. Like every third shot is a crane shot. You never know where the camera is going to be. The camera's super loose. They find ways to film in places that they shouldn't be able to. The color work, there's a lot of night shooting, but, the apartment face actually in the daytime. So it's just like crisp and there's so much detail in the frame. You can always count on Choi Hark to fill the frame with interest. So to me, the cinematography of this, even if it's experimental, it doesn't all work. It's always interesting. I agree about the score. The music actually stays with me. It's the end credits. There's like this techno score in there that kind of stays with me, but I'm always like, did that play during? Because <laughs> yeah. you're right, there's just so much to process. I don't think we're hearing the music. No, I think you hit hit it with the word interesting. Like I said, you know, my son and I watched this together, and we were kind of scratching our head as far as the plot was concerned. But when it got to that apartment fight, it was very clear what was happening. Even though, like you said, interesting camera angles, interesting perspectives. Lots of things filling up the frame, but it was very crisp and very clear. I like the juxtaposition of the action, again, between Tyler, who is in totally over his head, and you kind of feel for him in that moment, like he's just in the middle of this firefight and has no idea what he's really stepped into and is just trying to, you know, survive the day pretty much. And then um, Jack, who's out there just bringing it to his former comrades there. And it's really an amazing scene. Really good. So I think we got some love for both of these films as far as spectacles concerned, but Jared, it's time to score it. What's the score that you're going to give for spectacle for who am I? It dang near got a 10, but I settled on a nine. And really the only reason it settled on a nine is what we mentioned before was cartoony villains is the only thing that held it back a little bit. Like if all the villains had been as tight as the rooftop, it'd be a 10. But it had a little bit of the cartoonies, which is part of its fun. I don't have to defend a nine. I gave it a nine. It's a you don't have to score. defend a nine at all. And in fact, nine is I'll good. Match, match your nine. I gave it a nine as well. To me, it was just, uh, there's a little bit of 
pacing issue, I think. Kind of the beginning quarter to a half where the pacing kind of slows down a little bit. I'm really nitpicking, but that's what kept it from getting a 10 from me. Yeah, you're right. The pacing ramps up heavily once they get to the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. Yep. So nines apiece for Who Am I? So Time and Tide, what are you giving Time and Tide for a spectacle? Again, I liked it a lot. I didn't have as much engagement as I did with Who Am I, but total homer for Jackie Chan. I gave it a seven. Strong seven. I liked it. Yeah, again, match game. I felt the same way. This is well above average for a spectacle for a film. But again, pacing problem for me. And then I think I can enjoy the action more. I might give it a better score if I watch it a second time because I I think I understand what's happening a little bit more now. But I think just not fully understanding what was going on kind of took me out of it a little bit. But the scenes themselves were great. All right, Siskoid. So that leaves you with the tough choice. Like, what's important to me is the question that I ask myself because they both have the same problem. They're slow to start. And once they kick in, they're some of the best action scenes you've ever seen. So what is important to me? I'm interested in filmmaking. I'm interested in cinematography. I'm interested in experimentation. I'm interested in all that stuff. So I think Who Am I is a perfectly fine popcorn movie. I think Time and Tide tries to do a little more with it. So I'm giving my pressure point to that film. Understandable. I can see why. All right, Jared, you got it recorded into the books. I got it. I will pass it over to you. And I'll and pass it back to me. Yeah, oh, yeah, thank okay. you, Jared. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, well, let me announce it. It's okay. round five, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to do round five. <laughs> round five is best action scene. If you're going to be an action film face-off, you better have a heck of a good action scene. Both these movies have more than one. And Jason will do his due diligence and break it down. Let's begin with Jason breaking down the action scenes of who am I and all three of us will weigh in on which one's our favorite. Then we'll do that again for time and tide. And then we'll go back and do our whole scoring thing. It'll all make sense in a minute. Jason action scenes. Who am I? Well, thank you, Jared. And first off, I should say, I know how it bothers you when you hear the paper sound on the audio. Mm -hmm, Go ahead. Uh, So I wasn't going to do the paper sound. I'm kidding. Of course I'm doing the paper (laughs) sound. Here it is. Got my hopes up and then dashed them immediately. Oh, correct. Oh, Cisco had joined in with the papers. <laughs> Represents. Cisco. You know what? There we go. There's there the story. Yeah. <laughs> now we all did paper. Okay. So five action scenes that I captured for Who Am I? First, the opening Africa scene with the commandos making the raid on the convoy. I called that one, I left the chin out in Africa. <laughs> I'm mad I laughed at that. That's funny. (laughs) The second one is the cross-country race in Africa. I thought that one was pretty cool, too. It deserves, I thought, a category. I called that, it's race and Chan. Hallelujah. It's race and Chan. Yeah, it's race and Chan. (laughs) Are they all going to be songs? Uh, We're going to find out together. We're going to find out. (laughs) Number three. And I kind of blended these together because I thought that individually they wouldn't quite make its own category but the interrogation when he has to fight his way out which leads to the chase the car chase i kind of blended that all together interrogation and escape i call it talk to the hands and feet mm. mm-hmm. that's a good one that's yeah. some good stunt driving so, so okay so that is does that count the the spinning car yes count the way the, the car spins 
And the clog fight? That's all no. in the no, the okay. Fight, yeah. The All right. Fights the next one. That's number four. The Amsterdam street fight. That one deserves its own category. Yeah. In my humble opinion. I called that one. Everybody was clog food fighting. <laughs> I, it's funny because that's what I would have called. I was like, if he says clog food fighting, here, here we are. <laughs> we are related. Yes. Featuring are. a very fluffy dog as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one, of course, the rooftop fight. We all know. <laughs> course the rooftop fight and i called that one he got legs chen knows how to bruise them <laughs> knows how to bruise we got another song out of Cisco. Yeah, that's, there you go. Yeah. that's what you're hoping for yeah. all right jace did a good job breaking those down let's go back and pick our favorites Cisco, i'll start with you what was your favorite action scene from who am i well no matter how cute that dog is uh, I am a cat person, I gotta say. But the, I mean, the rooftop fight, what else can it be? What else because, can it be? <laughs> especially if you're gonna, I mean, if you're gonna say it's all the same, it starts with a fight with the, the first guy, two fights with that guy, and then with Ron, whatever, you know, who's <laughs> a machine, it was, it was a robot, yeah. a yes. fighting robot. And then they're like dancing around on the edge of the building. Oh, you man, don't see man, any man. wires, looks super dangerous. And then they go into this little nook where they're throwing. I'm going to say it's sacks of flour, but it's, it's supposed to be cement. And they still take breaks for jokes. There's still gags that are jokes, you know, like kicking the leg, kicking the leg. It becomes a parody <laughs> of kicking the leg. And then they're, oh, they're rubbing it. It's like, oh, we both hurt our legs. And then, but you know, like they you try to look tough. Like, yeah, yeah. Not, so the guy falls over. The guy falls over at the end. Like Jackie's like, oh, I'm going to do a running start on this kick. And the guy just falls over just before. It feels a little bit like, uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy kind of humor. And then he and then he has to jump off the building and it's like there's a very steep ramp. I don't know. I don't know what the degree is, but it's pretty steep. And Jackie had to do that multiple times because we don't see the cameras in certain angles. So they had to do it multiple times, probably. I mean, all the way through that, I can feel like I don't have much vertigo, but when a movie, it really does mm-hmm. it well. I feel, oh, oh, I feel queasy. I feel like I'm there. So that that fight totally does that. And it, I mean, all those parts of that fight are excellent. Has to be that one. 100%. Same with yeah. me. Yep. <laughs> we don't really need to poll anymore. It's the uh, rooftop fight. Yeah. I, I don't even know why I wasted titles on the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't waste a lot of time there, did we? Oh, the only gag that I'll add, because Cisco had covered it really well, but the one that I always remember, I think is funny too, is he grabs that dude by his little hoop earring oh, and he spins yeah. him so many times the earrings all twisted up. <laughs> oh, I love it. And, and and that scene also has some of the best outtakes during the credits. And they're trying to get the bags to fly just right. I think at one point Jackie actually takes a brick to the chest or something like that. Yeah. And he almost uh, falls off the building, right? Oh, yeah, he, yeah. He plays like, oh, oh. Oh, like he felt it. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, and you're you're spot on, Cisco. The, the vertigo. When I see when they come up to that edge, and they because they, they film the camera from overhead. Yeah, they're just like whoa, whoa. It's crazy. Yeah, both <laughs> these crazy. both these movies have shots that I'm like I'm wondering, like the cameraman is just as brave as the actors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> like Willie Bogner in the James Bond ski scenes. He did everything Bond did except backwards and holding the camera. Yeah, as they right. say. <laughs> All right. Let's go to Time and Tide and let Jason break it down. I had four, but I'm going to go five because I forgot about the heist at the beginning when we first see the bad guys. So I'm calling an audible here. That's going to be number one. And I'm going to call that one. You thought you were in Brazil, but now you're in Grenada. 
Get it? Because of the grenades. Get the grenades. There you go. All right. Number two, kind of the first fight scene when Tyler fights that assassin. I thought the assassin looked a little bit like maybe a methed out short round as an adult. So I called that one uh, short round fell on hard times. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Number three, the assassination parking lot chase. I have a big question mark there because I didn't really understand what's going on, but <laughs> I did. I just called it. We really suck. Like, like they just really, really suck as bodyguards. We are like, bad bodyguards. You suck. You suck. You suck. You suck. The boss sucks. You all suck. So we really suck. That's number three. Number four, the apartment fight. Now we're getting to the meat and potatoes. I called that one repelling invaders because. He's repelling. Repelling. I got yeah, you. Exactly. <laughs> Track you the whole way. <laughs> and then the last one was the airport fight. You might want to rethink your strategy using the trash bag as a uh, protective mask. Uh, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to suffocate yourself. That was a, that was a strange <laughs> yeah. choice. Yeah, that's a bizarre choice. So that's it. Those were my five for that, that film. All right. Uh, Jason, I'll have you go first this time. What was your favorite one? And why was it the apartment fight? It was the apartment <laughs> fight. The apartment fight was really kind of that moment where it broke open for me. Up to that point, I was like, is this going kind of playing an early April Fool's joke on me on this thing? <laughs> He's at his house like, they're really going to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know. This is like a Hong Kong soap opera. <laughs> and then, but when I saw that, I was like, oh, we have entered some very cool territory. The ropes, the rappelling, the swinging, the fighting. Again, Tyler barely making it out alive, having to jump into the, into the fridge. He did that thing in the shower where he had to do the he had to do the Bugs Bunny and just kind of like hang there while the guy was, was oh, shooting, shooting through the like a Spider Man kind of. Oh man. <laughs> Oh, it was just, it was really cool. So that's what I'm going to pick, Repelling Invaders. I'll save us all time and say I agree. Siskoid? I, I thought you'd, you'd divide it a little more because that final bit, I always think it's an airport, but I think it was shot in airport, but it's actually a train station. It was a train station. <laughs> there's a train yeah, yard there. Right? I thought about that after I read it. Yeah, yeah so there, I there's, I, I would have chopped it in two, basically saying that the, the, the Wubai stuff, where he's up on the, like over a concert, and uh, kicks mm -hmm. a grenade, you know, like <laughs> way before Andrew Garfield uh, so <laughs> kicks a grenade, you know, all that stuff, which kind of looks like the recent Batman movie, like the finale. Yeah, kind of in there. I yeah. get a sense of that. Yeah, it's a little bit like that, a little bit of like sudden death. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I uh, like there's that part. And then and then uh, the other character, Tyler, you know, with the pregnant woman and there, he has to fight the guy that feels no pain and. At the end, like she shoots him, she riddles him with bullets. Like the guy has the gun and he shoots down and he like basically he shoots a bullet, like the bullet bounces back into his head or something. I, I felt like those were two different ones. They were just like stacked. You know, we're editing, we're going back and forth through them. Mm -hmm. yeah, Never. You're not the host of the show. So this yeah, is no. <laughs> I understand. But um, it's a little rudderless, but <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but no, I mean, I just wanted to, to get those gags in because they are part of the film. We only talk about that apartment fight, which, of course, is the one that we were going to pick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's you, you know, that's fair. There was a lot of stuff going on in that end scene, and, and you probably could break it into a couple different 
pieces, depending on how you wanted to go. So, no, that's fair. But we all agree that's the apartment. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, no, it was great scene. That end scene was great, but that apartment scene was where it was. I'd say what drove me bananas. We talked about like English, Spanish, Cantonese, Mandarin. Like the head of their SWAT team that came to the train station, he was speaking either uh, Mandarin or Cantonese. Like, not smart enough to know which one. But then when he'd give orders to his men, they were in English. Yeah, and I was because, like, ah, I can't keep up with all this. <laughs> well, the, it, Hong Kong was a British colony in, in a lot of movies where there's like police in it, including Jackie Chan and Police Story. They're always going, yes, sir. So the, the, there's okay, some, a, pre- so, a procedural thing procedural. that is... That Makes is sense. British because I think the police chiefs were probably British Makes sense. Uh, at some point. So that does he, make sense. he was probably Cantonese and then giving orders in English and people were going, yes, up. Because <laughs> he'd be just rattling off Cantonese and he'd be like, all right, front main strike at the door. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I was like, did I just learn to speak? I'll tell you, there's a couple times. So. <laughs> I think you'd get a lot of that if you rewatch Super Cop. Probably I think so. you'd see I that. Think that's yeah. Fair. Yeah. yeah, that is insight. something that I've picked up on, you know, in the several Asian films, uh, and Jackie Chan included. Though they will go to English in some. In that some makes sense because yeah. of the Hong Kong. Yeah, good insights is good. Jason, let's mm. score them. Rooftop action scene one to ten, and if you didn't give it a ten, I'm gonna need you to explain yourself. I don't need to explain myself. <laughs> give it a ten. There you go. <laughs> Match game. I gave it a ten too. Flawless victory. Because. Let's be honest. I think I speak for both of us and maybe even Cisco too. If you have a buddy over and he's like, I haven't watched a lot of Jackie Chan fight scenes. You're going to reach for that DVD and you're going to skip to that fight scene. Cause you're going to be like, this is a plus Jackie Chan right here. There's a few a plus scenes he's done. And that's, that's one mm-hmm. time and tide, Jason one to 10. We all liked the uh, apartment fight. What do you got? I give it an eight. I thought it was definitely kind of you're you're knocking on that elite territory with that apartment fight. Match game. I also gave it an eight. Uh, wonderful, wonderful scene. Two strong films. And then now it's just Siskoid to give his last pressure point. Which movie do you think had better action scenes, Siskoid? I think uh, if we're looking at those two action scenes, Who Am I must win. Not only does it have great martial arts, it's also got a great stunt uh, or several, depending on how you, you, see, you see it. But that ending, well, I think it's better than Jackie frozen on a, uh, on a ladder under a, a helicopter that, you know, very often his finales are big stunts and this is as big as it gets mm. and it's back to back with some of the best fighting. Can't argue with that. Well, that is the end of round five and all of our official scoring. So Jason round six, it's time to die. All right. We're going to go negative here for just a little bit. Cause it's time for the deduction round, the round for removing a point for something that is just so ridiculous that it's stuck in your craw and took you out of the film. You know, and and Siskoid, we're going to go ahead and start with you and just let you air any grievances that you have uh, with either Who Am I or Time and Tide. I I think I've I've said my negatives throughout uh, where where that fit. I don't think there's anything other that I would uh, care to to name, I think. Yeah, I think I've been fair to to both films. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So, Jared, what about you? Uh, Are you uh, going to remove a point or points from either of the films? You know, much like Cisco, I think I expressed those along the way. Uh, both films uh, hurt a little from that CGI era. It's kind of to be expected. I adjusted the scores during our discussion that way. So, no, I, I don't. I don't have anything that just really jumped out at me. They're both a little 
wacky, so I allow room for wackiness. I'm wondering if you did. Did you bring any military authenticity to the, <laughs> to the film that you decided to uh, rain down? Uh, you can't really bring uh, authenticity to either these, <laughs> these films. You really got to you gotta kind of flip that switch off. For <laughs> yeah, I was going back like in time and tide because they did use a lot of military weaponry and like stuff we are familiar with. And I was like, did they ever really use it incorrectly? Or But I was like, eh. Kind of like no. part of Chow Yun Fat film, like just have fun with it. Like, yeah, no, I mean nothing that really stood out. But I am going to take a point away from Who Am I because at the very opening of the film, it said that this was taking place during Thanksgiving, which I thought was very. <laughs> very I noticed that too. Very, it's a very American holiday. <laughs> very American and, and interesting holiday. But then when they go into the further into the story, it shows them about to depart for the mission they said it's in march mm. so it's like march or what chinese writer <laughs> didn't know what he was talking about yeah so, um, I, just, I caught that too though jace because it was like thanksgiving and like they do the whole scene where they all kind of introduce each other on the helicopter i'm from this country and i'm like they don't nope nope no thanksgiving no thanksgiving. like yeah. none of these people would tell from thanksgiving <laughs> <laughs> but i don't like, even have thanksgiving at the same time you do, you know? It's like, it's like uh, yeah, I guess Chinese writers kind of took a stab at it, but it, uh, yeah, what a weird choice. Yeah, why, yeah, why did you put Thanksgiving in there to begin with and then not align Thanksgiving with at least the correct month? But you know? I tell you what, Jason, from now on, every year at Thanksgiving, I watch Planes, Trains, Automobiles because it's the law. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Now it's a back-to-back feature. I'm watching Planes, Trains, Automobiles. Who am and I? Who am I? <laughs> Get your turkey leg, get your stuffing, you got Jackie Chan. That's right. (laughs) There you go. Get some general sales in there, too, you know? Just (laughs) enjoy yourself. Enjoy, knock yourself out. Why not? Why not? (laughs) All right. Well, folks, that's going to bring us to the end of our official rounds. Now, don't you worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home, folks. We do have four of you here at Action Film Face-Off. Real quick, if you were keeping up with Match Game, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Match Games in this episode. Jason and I were very close. So if you were doing the drinking game, you're drunk. Don't drive. Don't yeah, drive home. Yeah, have somebody sure else. Have call an Uber. Yep. So seven Match Games for that. Breaking down the pressure point scores from our awesome guest, Siskoid. He ended up giving three pressure points to Time and Tide and two to Who Am I? And looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode of Action Film Face-Off with a score of 83 to 73 is Who Am I? Congratulations to Who Am I? Now it's time to head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose Your Destiny. ...1992. And I will bring a film from... Choose Your Destiny. 1981. What will those films be? Well, we'll tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening. And we're talking to you, Dave. Or you can tune in next episode to find out. Until then, I'm Jason Weaselskull Albrecht, and you can find me on social media at Weaselskull on Twitter or Jason Albrecht on Facebook and Instagram. 
And you can find me, Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist, a.k.a. Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's all at Yard Sale Artist. Or you can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. Now to the most important part. Pimp yourself and your show, Siskoid. You've been an awesome guest. We love having you here as always. So where can people find more of your awesomeness? Uh, I still blog. I'm still one of the few. That's no, like, you don't. I do every day. Siskoid.blogspot.com. <laughs> uh, and every Tuesday, at least, I do. The, the, the post is basically the podcast. So uh, all my podcasts are at fireandwaterpodcast.com. There's one a week. But, uh, you know, oh, hot more or not. Give me that Star Trek. Uh, Zero Hour Strikes is just about to end, which means a show will resurrect from the past. And um, I'm not going to say it here. So, <laughs> but these and many more are available at firewaterpodcast.com. Well, thanks again, Siskoid. You brought, as usual, a lot of that mastermind kung fu knowledge to the show. We love having you on for martial arts. Hopefully, you'll be back next year. Which doesn't this come faster than it seems? Like, weren't we just doing this? He's like, we just just did did one. (laughs) Well, thanks again. And be sure to check out all the shows under our Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all your finer podcatchers, and some of the sketchier ones. Or you can go directly to www.longboxcrusade.com. And if you want to hit us up with questions, comments, anything like that, you can find us at Longbox Crusade. That's Twitter, Facebook instagram we also have our own youtube channel putting out a lot of content these days so you'll find us in lots of different places we also have a twitter just for action film face off if you want to reach out to us it's at affo podcast and you can talk directly to jason and i on that account as well speaking of talking directly to us maybe you don't like to touch keyboards maybe you don't like to you know enter letters with your phone Well, here you can enter numbers with your phone. If you dial 707-532-5269, you can leave us a voicemail. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. Until next episode, keep your head down and your knuckles up. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. Yeah.